Hello, everybody. This is Jared Van Vorst. And my name is Nathan McWhorter. And I'm Daniel Fagbui, and welcome to Table Talk Thursdays, where we field all your burning questions, and we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be doing this every single week. So please send in your questions to my email, which is daniel.fagbui at livechurchcanton.org. Look forward to hearing from you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number seven of Table Talk Thursdays. If this is your first time here, my name's Sam. I'm the tech slash creative guy at the church, um, and I'm glad that you're listening. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to get Zoom to work with Facebook for this episode, but we did it, uh, get it to work with YouTube. So if you go to Life Church Canton's YouTube page, uh, you can find the video of this there, but uh, you'll be able to listen to it here. So I hope that you enjoy this episode of Table Talk Thursday. We are recording. We are live on YouTube. We are trying to Woo-hoo. make this worse. There are three people watching. It's probably all three of us. We're, <laughs> yeah. Just, I just went ahead and posted the link on our Facebook page. Okay, so well, let's give it a uh, second We'll get some here. people migrating over uh, hopefully soon. Sweet. We'll give it a few. And there's a chat, top chat. Welcome to chat. Uh, I'm going to try chatting here for Table Talk Thursdays. Hmm. Anyways, uh, do you have Facebook up there, Jared? See what's going on? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, I can talk about really silly things until we get started. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's, it's, at this point, uh, we'll do the official start, especially as Sam's listening to the recording and people are watching later. But this is unfortunately the issues with Facebook. The issues with Facebook... Um, we love them and we hate them and they're trying to do the <laughs> best the they can. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we'll get it figured out every once in a while. We have to make some changes and YouTube is where we're at. Um, I tried to get baby Yoda, uh, which is actually called the child to um, work on the interwebs and it did nothing. The so interwebs. The, the, it's a fail, a massive fail. Um, so I want to make sure that we're rolling and people can chat on Facebook. Jared, once we see that people can chat, can you let us know that you're there, that you can see us, that you can chat with it um, and go from there? There's nine watching on YouTube. Um, Jasmine's oh, watching. Good. I got a chat. Hi, Jasmine. Well done. Do me a favor and share this like crazy because we're trying to get people um on we apologize uh you know that's that's the way it is so i'm just glad we can stream cookie crumbles yeah i'm just glad we are with you i mean no one's got anything else to do it's raining outside so might as well watch us make a fool of ourselves and then answer some of your burning questions um i posted on facebook posted the link and so um everybody should have it if they were going to our facebook page so we're we're all set to go sweet sweet all right well great all huge all right well welcome to table talk thursdays uh we go live on facebook or apparently on youtube at 12 noon um on thursdays to answer all of your questions questions from the most recent sermon uh, any questions about life in general any theological questions all questions are welcomed and remember questions are due in if you want to submit them by tuesday evening 
Uh, never fret, though. If you get them in later than that, we will put them on tap for the next week. All live questions are also welcomed as well, especially the follow-up questions to anything we're discussing. And I also want to remind everybody to just keep praying for our nation and our world. Pray for those who are quarantined, those who are waiting for um, test results. Pray for all of us who are sheltered in. Pray for those who've lost loved ones, who've lost employment during this season. Pray for the at-risk population, those who are on the front lines, the healthcare professionals, uh, folks who are caring for us and all the essential workers. Pray for them. Pray for the elderly. Uh, pray for those who have pre-existing conditions. Uh, and do remember to keep reaching out to people. Every week, there's wonderful people who are reaching out to us and praying for us and touching base with each other and caring for each other. Uh, this week alone, I got a nice gift from Pam Zinn, who dropped by as a surprise. Those are just wonderful i didn't know i like surprise fellas until i saw this I, I i was like man this is a church that's built on surprises so i love them i thank you for them but i just want to encourage us to just continue to love each other and care for each other in this very unique uh way and unique time that we find ourselves in well i want to check in with my esteemed hosts or co-hosts my wonderful brothers in the lord partners in the gospel brothers how are you guys doing today we're doing all right. Um, I'm excited to be with you. I feel like it's been great to see your guys' faces, and, and it's as much for me as it is for everybody else to have this time together, um, preparing for the weekend, preparing for what is happening next. Uh, I just I feel like we continue to be able to move forward. I'm feeling a little bit of the pressure of, of, um, of when we're going to be able to return to what we're going to be doing you know, long term and knowing that that's going to be probably phased in and, and all those things. So I'm feeling the weight of that. I'm, I'm tired. I, you know, I say, um, I say, you know, on Sunday, uh, I just missed you guys. I miss seeing your faces. So I look forward to seeing everybody soon. I think that will help a lot. Uh, we were talking offline, but I'll share this because it's, you know, authenticity. Um, but I, I did have a moment where I needed a, a moment and I found myself a, a small bag of uh, uh, sweet and spicy Doritos and 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 then a, a Mountain Dew and I just sat in the car by myself and ate it. It was a good time. It was a good moment for me. Uh, so I, you know those little moments where I got a, a space to breathe have been very very helpful. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's a, a combination that I might like more than that. Doritos and Mountain Dew. Now, did you get did you get the old healthy Mountain Dew one? If is there a such thing? Healthy. No, did you get the healthy version? Did you Mountain get Dew nice Zero. Little? Yeah, the one. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in love with okay. that. I wish I had never found it. Uh, yeah. I I just wish I had. Me too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like the original, brother. <laughs> go hard or go home. Uh, <laughs> so diabetes. <laughs> just drinking too much, drinking too much Mountain Dew. That's why I can't do it. I can't have that much sugar, man. I go crazy. I I need to, I, but I'm I'm guessing whatever's in the Mountain Dew Zero is not healthy for me at mm -hmm. all either. Mm -hmm. But you know, once in a while, I've been working out every single day, so it you know it's okay. It's a net win, I guess. Whatever makes you captured it all well, Nathan. I think um, since this is a theologically related um, piece of content, I'm going to go ahead and invoke the great Martin Luther, who said, "If you're going to sin, sin boldly." <laughs> so I go straight to the the Coca-Cola Classic, high fructose corn syrup. I mean, just God, let's just it. get after it. Get um, it. And so people show me videos of like, do you see what it can do to? you know, rust on a bumper of a car or what it can yeah. do to a toilet. Yeah. And I think 
man, it really tastes really, really good. So, um, <laughs> if you said what it did to my emotions, yeah, well, it yeah. lifted them. <laughs> yeah, it gave me energy. No, so uh, you you captured how I'm feeling as well, Nathan. Just in terms of like, there's this anticipation and excitement to want to return to um, being together in church again. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to look different. I mean, it just it has to. Um, now that given the state of our world and how it's affected people and affected community. And, and so there's excitement in innovating, but also a sense of, of nervousness of like, what, what does this all look like and wanting to care for people well. But one of the, the coolest thing is I've been very encouraged in conversations with people from Life Church who have been finding creative ways. Daniel, you mentioned Pam Zim, Zim and um, I'm thinking Ron and Kristen Brooks. Um, just uh, Bridget Reynolds. Um, there's just tons of names that are just rolling through my mind like a Rolodex right now of people who have found creative ways to encourage our our community, and and um, and so I feel very fortunate to be part of this church. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I echo everything you guys are saying too. I think um, this has actually been an interesting, it's been an interesting week, uh, just feeling depressed in many areas. Um, and and essentially I had to sort of in many ways practice what I preach, uh, of just reminding myself of things. But, and really one, one of the things I like to do um, and recommend to people doing whenever you feel melancholy, depressed, whatever, sanguine, whatever adjective you feel uh, describes where you are is to as much as you can't unpack that and try to ask yourself the questions of why do I feel this way or you know as people would say you know when you know I don't know if you guys remember and I hate this quote his name but the Cosby show the good one uh the good Cosby um and uh, there was a <laughs> there you know in a show he used to talk about how you know when Theo his son would lose things he'd say where did you see it last right and there's a sense where uh if you lose your as it were your sanity or your happiness or your joy where did you see it last right where did you notice it last and I really as an introvert it was hard for me to get to this point but I got to a point where I actually do miss community um, and, and that's interesting for an introvert to feel that way. Jared, I don't, I don't know if you can yeah. relate to that, but, yeah. uh, and Nathan, I don't know, are you an introvert or extrovert? I, I feel, I, for some reason I thought you were extrovert, but. You, let me think about that. No, no, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm an extrovert. For sure an extrovert. Yeah. There's yeah. no doubt. Okay, but, good. Yeah. yeah. You'd be surprised. And, I needed a moment by myself, but it's mostly just for the constant high pitched noises of my kids. It's more that okay. I just my ears to rest not okay but do you feel depleted when you're around people or you feel empowered oh definitely empowered okay good good okay yeah so those of us who are a little less holy um who feel (laughs) who feel who who are disconnected but even jesus withdrew uh withdrew uh so no but i think it was just interesting to say no i actually miss um walking through uh, church hallways and seeing people uh, as much as, you know, we want to be safe and distance, even in this season. Um, I miss the handshakes, the hugs. I miss the, uh, man, you know, the encouraging 
this is what's going on in my life. This is what God's going on. Even the hard ones of, man, this is what's happening. Oh, and then, you know, sitting there and praying with someone instantly in that moment uh, with a hand on their shoulder. I, I, it's like I missed that and I didn't know I was missing that. And so it's been helpful to as much as I can to, to realize that this is a temporary situation and we're coming back and that what we're doing in terms of reaching out through the social media and calls and phone and, you know, emails and all that, that is still part of being in community mm-hmm. and savoring that. And I think it's going to empower us um, once we get back together to value that, that much more. Yeah. Cool. Well, we have our first question of the day uh, from our sister, Renee Tran. Um, I love her name though. Renee St. Antoine Tran. I love it. Um, but she asked a question on Facebook last week. Uh, and um, she said, have any of you healed someone? And she clarified, which we appreciate uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is very important. So God's the one that does the healing. But has any of you guys healed anyone? So I'm going I'm to have you guys start off because um, I just finished talking. And um, any thoughts on that? Let's start with Pastor Nathan. How are you feeling on that? Yeah, have you oh, healed yeah. someone through the power of the Holy Ghost? Man, Not the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, I love that. I, I think we were talking about this a little bit just briefly, which actually we don't discuss these answers too much. We just kind of jump on here and let it fly, which I think is fun. Uh, and, I, and I love that because I get to hear and experience it just like you do. We're talking about it. The, the basic thing to understand is the three of us sitting here today are not cessationists, meaning that we do believe that the Holy Spirit still works today in the gifts. And one of those is, is in healing. And, and God has called us to pray for the sick, called the elders to pray for the sick. And that's just a little bit of the background of it. And we're not going to get too much into that because that's a whole conversation. Um, but the question simply was, what in my experience have I seen? I go into this a little more uh, deeply in Seen and Unseen, a series that we'll, we'll throw up later um, that talks more in depth about miracles. Miracles. Yeah, specifically healing, too, was, I yeah. think, one of the mm-hmm. subjects you touched on. Yep. It was. And it, so it's one of my sermons. Well, I'll go in more depth there. You can go check that out. But since I preached that message, um, you know, the people were, you know, kind of piqued in their interest. And I talk about how I had prayed for years that I would pray for someone and that they would be physically healed um, and that my journey with that. And then since that, I've had some interactions with people um, where it, it appears that, that after praying for someone, um, that they, they got better or they felt better or things got better or things went well. And then in one case, they're, they're one individuals um, had more of a miraculous change and, and no longer was testing um, uh, positive for cancer or um, the, uh, the uh, word her, multiple hernias were now gone. Um, after praying for him, just gone and, and it being very miraculous. So I think for me, I, I've seen it pretty consistently, um, not just in, in me praying for other people, but groups of people praying together, um, just so much so over the course of my life that I just can't deny it and can't see it. So I don't think I have a running tally in my head, just like I've lost count of baptisms and salvations and all that. <laughs> you know, a little clicker. There's a little one. clicker. And we'll call that There's one, one. There's a, a miracle. A half one. <laughs> uh, but I, I just see God move. And so whenever I pray, I just pray with confidence and I just say, God, it's on you. Whatever you want to do is good. But I've had people come up and say, I, I feel like when you prayed for this person, they were healed and tell me that story. And so I, I love it. It's this community feel like it's not about one person. It's about us as a community together. And um, yeah, some of the just 
I've heard stories of, of healing actually in, in, in the moment of baptism and uh, where they get baptized and something mm. is physically healed inside of them. And mm. that doesn't surprise me at all because I yeah. see how people are spiritually healed in this act of baptism, this sacramental means of grace kind of feel like it, it's not, it, but it, God does something in these moments. And so I, I yeah, I, it wasn't as super clear there, but yeah. No, I, that was clear. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think for Pastor. me, um, it's um, similar boat as you, Nathan, it's, it's hard to tell that, you know, I'm, I'm not keeping track or running tally or a journal necessary, which, you know, might not be a bad thing to do. Um, Cause um, you see the people yeah. of God doing that all throughout the old Testament and certainly in the new Testament, you know, paying attention to where, God moved in very specific and miraculous ways and then remembering that and taking a very intentional effort toward remembering that. And so I wish I was better at that. I need to, that's probably something I need to keep growing in, in my, in my relationship with God, like remembering things that I prayed for, writing it down and then seeing, you know, what did, what did God do with that? And then being able to celebrate God all the more. So um, I think of one particular, maybe even two particular opportunities. One was a, um, a physical thing and one was a spiritual and physical thing. Um, not to say that one, the first one wasn't spiritual. I think it's all spiritual in a sense, <laughs> depending on how you define that term. But um, there was a, there was an older gentleman who came into my office at my previous church. Um, I, I hadn't met him before. He saw me preach one weekend and just asked if he could meet with me. And he had just come from a doctor's appointment and, um, and found out that he had, he had, um, I believe it was lung cancer. Um, and they were pretty sure it was in stage four. And so I just, you know, um, grieved with him in that moment. Um, he was really sad. He was mostly upset about trying to figure out how to tell his, um, his students or he was a coach, I think for, I'm not, I might've been lacrosse or something like that. And he was really a, a good coach and developed this relationship with his boys. And he mostly wanted prayer for how to have that conversation with these boys from his lacrosse team. And so we mostly just prayed for that. Um, and then I'm, I don't remember exactly what I said. I must've prayed for some kind of healing, but again, you don't, you don't necessarily remember all these moments when you're a pastor for several years and you have so many different interactions. And he came, um, he came to church maybe a week and a half or so later. And I saw him sitting in um, kind of our lobby space, and uh, I recognize his face, but it, because again, I, I, I hadn't met him before him coming to pray. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I know that face. I, I'm pretty sure I prayed with that guy. So I just went up to him and just very calmly and patiently, Hey, how you doing? How did that conversation goes? And he was just grinning from ear to ear. And he said, I went back to the doctor and they said that we're not sure what's going on, but we don't see the cancer anymore. Wow. Um, and so uh, he must have had a follow up with the doctor or something like that. So, if I was part of that process, awesome, praise God for that. Um, if you know the doctors were part of that process, awesome, praise God for that too. Um, but it, it feels good to know that, um, you know, that I did get to be involved in praying for him and encouraging him. And and if God intervened miraculously, then man, that's exciting. Uh, there was another situation where there was a young student, a uh, high school student. Um, we were at a retreat and he was uh, almost kind of convulsing and, and uncontrollably. And so I just walked over to him. A bunch of students came over to me and they're like, Hey, this kid is not doing well. And we, we believed at the time that it was some kind of a 
spiritual or maybe, um, you know, demonic, uh, demonic attack of some kind, um, which are, was, have been rare moments for me, but, um, just put my hand on his shoulder and, and just ask Jesus to intervene. Um, just ask the Holy spirit to be present and to bring a sense of peace and calm. And we saw him slowly start to, um, just be at peace. And then he just, um, he kind of came out of it and was lucid. And then he like slept for like a good 15, 20 minutes. Um, so man, God's up to something. It's not always explainable. And, um, I'm happy to be part of it. However possible. I just want to be available for God. Mm. Yeah. Good. Very good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I did, I do have a clicker brother. I have a list. I'm joking. <laughs> I will say though, there is something to that. Jared, uh, Jared you said that kind of triggered me in a good way. Uh, as much as I dislike his uh, ethics as it pertained to slavery and racism, but George Mueller was great for that writing down prayers and things that God did as a way of just reminding, remembering God's goodness. Um, and I think that's something that it might be lost, like the art of journaling um, and all that yeah. good stuff is lost in, in the body today. And I think it's helpful, especially as we try to pass our faith down to our next generation. It's like, you know, God, dad, how have, or mom, how have you seen God move in your life? Um, but any, anyway, from a, uh, from a personal perspective, yeah, I can, I can recall of a, a few, um, this is, and so the question is more about us personally, right? What we've been in, in, in sort yeah. of uh, involved in. Yeah, there's two that always stick to me. One was a young uh, couple had a baby and, and the doctor said the baby would never hear again. Mm. Uh, and um, I was honored and humbled at the same time that this person said, I specifically want you to pray. Um, how much of that was God's moving in them to put us in a position where we're both awed by the movement of God? I, I would have to say, yeah. Um, and so we prayed and, um, and I fasted for a few days and, um, and then I just pray with them. And I, and I think that the thing that I always say when it comes to prayer, specific prayers, particularly about healing is I always remember the book of Daniel, how the three Hebrew boys were like, God is able but if he doesn't, he's still good. Uh, that's sort of where the black church pulls this. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That scenario from, because there's a sense where God's goodness is not determined on whether or not he moves or not. Um, you have to be resolute in the fact that God is good, um, regardless of what happens. Um, and so I think there was a sense of peace that they had even before they went back into the doctors. And the doctors were like, I have no medical uh, reason as to why this hearing returned. And not only was the baby hearing then, but we're talking 10 years later, the baby has still has her full hearing. Uh, in fact, I chatted with them, I think on Christmas last year and baby's doing well, like nothing, nothing, nothing doing there. Uh, so that one was interesting. That one was a little far removed because I think at that point I had matured a little bit more in my faith. So I wasn't necessarily expecting, uh, from a, um, not expecting, but from a, uh, entitlement perspective. Um, when I was younger, I do remember this one instance where my uh, closest friend at the time, uh, we thought that he had AIDS. Um, and, and I'll tell you how that story worked is um, now anybody who knows about diseases understands what this means. If you have antibodies in your body for a disease, that means you have that disease or you've either gotten a vaccine 
right? So nobody's getting a vaccine for AIDS. So if you have AIDS or HIV antibodies in your system, and then they did what was called the Western blood test to confirm. So they did a saliva test and they did a Western blood test. And by all things, the doctor actually started to say, well, here are some treatments. At that time, it was something called AZT cocktail mm-hmm. or something. I forget what it's called, but it was like a and cocktail right. of drugs. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and so he, um, he was actually got the prescription for it. And we're, we're talking about like, you know, going through the stages of grief, which we'll talk about a little later. Uh, but like, he's, he's like denial and, and anger and then talking to God bargaining. Like, Lord, if you, if you, you first of all, if you've been rocking with God long enough, <laughs> you've probably had those bargain moments. Lord, if you do this, then I promise I'll stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and he had those moments and we cried and prayed together. And I remember um, saying, you know what? I trust that God will fix this. I don't know where that came from. And if you guys know me enough, you start to know that when it comes to presuming on God, healing or miracles, I don't do that because I just believe that scripturally, that's just not a place to stand. Uh, Doesn't mean that God doesn't. Doesn't mean there's not moments where God um, gives you, as it were, some encouragement or boldness to stand on something. I'm not disputing that. But I said, man, let's pray. Let's fast. We went seven days fasting and praying. And we're praying every day, brothers. I have never felt that holy <laughs> day in my life. I mean, we were we were fasting and praying, and uh, man, we were just going at it and praying every single day. And um, and then on like the seventh or eighth day, he went to go get a test again. And the doctor's like, "Why are you here? Like, you, the antibodies are there. Like, this the AIDS doesn't go away. Like, that's just not gonna happen." And they tested. They did saliva. No antibodies. It's like, okay. The doctor was like, "Yeah, this could be a false positive." Let's do a let's do a Western blood test again. Western blood test, no antibodies. It's like, and then they did T cells. They were looking at the, I think it was called T cells. Yeah, they're looking at T cells, and they're like everything's functioning well. Like, how do you feel? Like, he's like, I feel great. They're like, what happened? He's like, the only thing I could do is I just prayed. And the the, the doctor, according to him, now this is sort of secondhand because I wasn't there for this part. But the doctor was like, um. Yeah, um, whatever you took, I'm gonna need you to help us so we could patent it, patent that. He was like, No, I think it's Jesus. Like that's all we can that's all we can attribute this to. So that was that rocked my world and still rocks my world to today to see that um God moved in that specific way. Um and um yeah, I, I'm still amazed by that, man, because you think you've lost someone because I don't know if you guys remember the the late nineties, but this this was not I mean what we're going through with Corona when we're talking about the epidemic of rate of AIDS and how people were feeling at the time it was a death sentence and it wasn't anything and this was before um, Magic Johnson had his sort of re, uh, reverse and all that good stuff so it's it's almost like that verse where um, the, Paul talks about how Abraham received his son back alive from the death from the dead. Because uh, when you hope, when you've already believed that that person is dead and that this is a death sentence, this is a terminal illness, there's no coming back from it, and then you experience God's supernatural strength and the doctors can't explain it any other way, um, that's a moment. Um, and so, yeah, so those are two ones that I remember that God did it, um, and and that's always a reminder. But I feel like it, we need to say this one thing: What's the purpose of miracles? Period. Right. And as you look through the New Testament, the miracles were not done to make you feel better. 
They were not done for selfish purposes. The miracles were always referred to as attesting signs, right? They were miracles. They were signs that pointed to Christ and were meant to make you look at God and not necessarily look at yourself or the person through whom the miracle came through. So I think if all miracles are understood from that perspective, that they're not meant just to make the person be better, feel better, or do better, but that they're meant to so that you can get a glimpse of God's power and then worship God, then I think we, our hearts will be in a better place. And perhaps we'll see more miracles when we understand it from that pers- perspective. Any thoughts on that last point? Yeah, just, I'd say go to the series Seen um, and mm. Unseen, and we we go through it. I, I put a link there, but it's always um, up and around. Uh, we did a great job walking through the different kinds of miracles, the unseen things. And what we, the tagline there was a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in Mm. human affairs. And it always points back um, to what God is doing and to who he is. Um, And I think that's really important. And, and, you know, you can actually bear a lot of fruit from when you hear of a a healing and what it produces in people. And and that's important too. Our response should be to glorify God. And, but you said that really well. So mostly if you want more information where we go more in depth with it, please watch the series Seen and Unseen on our um, webpage. I put a link to the healing message in the chat on both Facebook and YouTube. Perfect. Good, good, good. Good. And if you, as, as we said, if you have any follow-up questions to that, um, any thoughts on that, please let us know on YouTube or even on Facebook and we'll follow up on those as much as we can. I don't know how YouTube works. If that stays, those questions stay on after, we'll uh, we shall, <laughs> shall, shall we? Um, our next question from our brother, Chris Cooley. Um, he says, and this is for all of us, he's, well, I'll probably defer mostly to Pastor Nathan on this, but are there any plans to continue, uh, are there any plans to keep doing some of these new virtual events uh, when we are allowed to meet back in person? So essentially his question is like uh, the things that we're doing now that are on that virtual social media platform, are we going to continue to engage in that way once we move back to meeting in person? And we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I think it's great to, to hear one from both of you brothers because you're more in, lo- in those things, big picture, than um, the sort of uh, table talk and those other things. Uh, how are you guys thinking about that? Yeah, I'd love uh, Jared to be able to chat a little bit about what uh, students and kids are going to continue to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk a little bit from my end of things and overarching. Um, so uh, overarchingly, yeah, a lot of these are going to continue. Um, and the reason why is because it's it's part of what we were already looking at doing. We call it the 167, which turned into our 168 during COVID, meaning people come to church one hour during the week. But, and maybe maybe another hour uh, for a small group or something like that. And, and what about the 167 hours that they're getting inundated with other things besides church? If, if we only spent one hour a day with um, our spouse, um, well, some, right now, some people would be like, that'd be amazing because it's a lot right now. <laughs> but, but we just know that's not, not going to result in a good relationship. And, mm-hmm. and we were been looking at it for like over two years. And trying things and doing new things. And we feel like we've been given a free pass just to go after it. So a lot of the things that we're going to continue to do are the ones that show that people are 
are engaged. What I mean by that is that they're interacting. It's not just about receiving content, but about content that, that allows them to interact with other people, allows them to uh, be connected to the church and take next steps, whether that's into small groups or into, or into our life groups, in, which are small groups, or into the life journey, or, or they start to serve. So anything that's moving people in that direction is something that we're going to continue as best that we can. And Table Talk Thursdays being one of the things that we're doing I have pretty high confidence we'll continue to do those things, especially since if we open, I just saw a hilarious video from Andy Stanley talking about them. They have a little more, less restrictions. And so they're talking about church and they decided to not have church until they can have it the way that they want to. That's their decision. But they were just joking about it. And <laughs> and it was pretty funny. You have to go check it out. They were talking about Corona babies as well. They didn't call them that, um, uh, but it, <laughs> it's pretty funny. My, my point in all of this is it, it may look different, but I think things like Table Talk Thursdays, some of the things that Jared's going to share about what the students and kids are finding out, they'll continue because this is the world that we live in. And even if I could open the doors today legally, a lot of people are going to choose not to come, not right away. And so we're going to be a hybrid church for a while, which means some of the things that we're experimenting with are going to happen for a while. And by then, they might be part of the fabric of who we are and what we do. And I'm, I'm pushing for that. I think it's amazing. I think it's an incredible opportunity. And it's a way that we will move the church forward in a way that we couldn't before um, in regards to the pandemic, taking advantage of the situation that we find ourselves in. And there was one other thing, but it's probably not. Oh, yeah. So, for instance, I've been doing Table Talk Tuesdays or Touchpoint Tuesdays. And we're phasing that out. This last Tuesday was the last one I'm going to do for a while. Uh, I'll still send videos out to the church, but it won't be every Tuesday. Um, and we're going to be sending out other info to update you. Why? Because it wasn't engaging people. I mean, it was people who found it interesting and good. That, that's not what I'm saying. It just help, wasn't helping people move forward and uh, served as more of an informational thing. And the now page is really helping serve that. And so for here, we're, we're doing something new and something different. I'm excited about that. But Jared, I'd love to hear about um, yeah. other things. One thing I will say, the life journey uh, will continue to be virtual even after we're in person. So it will be in person and virtual. And that's a huge change. And it opens it up to all the people who are serving on the weekends or who can't come on the weekends to be able to be part of discipleship long term. You know, we have uh, 61 people right now in the life journey online. And we're so much so that we're adding another encounter course here in May. Um, so I, I, it changes our rhythms and gives us more flexibility. Yeah. And, uh, while I'm talking, Nathan, if you wouldn't mind, Jasmine mentioned that the link, uh, didn't show up in the comment section. So if you wouldn't mind, I, I threw it up again. I'm not sure. Oh, oh, I'll try something okay. else. All right. Sorry, Jasmine, we're working on it. Um, but here's, uh, yeah, I've been privileged to be able to, uh, help our life kids and life youth think through how to, um, operate during this season, but then also thinking forward in terms of how to operate after um, we return. And I think you did a good job of talking about, you know, the hybrid church. And many of us have been um, connected to Carrie Newhoff, a Canadian pastor, but also just a, a great uh, mind in terms of thinking forward, thinking leadership, thinking church leadership specifically. And, um, and he, he describes this um, you know, church is never going to go back to normal in the sense that it's just going to be about Sunday now. Now church is, is going to be every day. Um, and, and what he describes is that 
um, we have to think outside of just this little hour that that happens on a on one day of the week that people are going to experience God. They're going to experience community in a variety of different ways all throughout the week, and they're going to need that um, uh, more than ever. And and they probably needed it before, but this this intensified um, the urgency for that. I think, and and I agree with that. And so our our life kids and life youth have already been obviously creating content to happen throughout the week. And um, some of it's experimental. They're you know, trying to f- see what sticks, trying to see where the levels of engagement come in. And then you know, if something is working, you want to put more f- uh, effort and emphasis and energy into that. And if it's just not working, then it's okay. Like it's just not working. And you, like you said, with Touchpoint Tuesday, if it's not getting the kind of engagement that is necessary that you're looking for, um, that's okay. It, it, it worked for a season and now we need to move on to other things and that's okay. Innovation for the church is, is something to be thinking, um, something that needs to be on our minds. I think the other thing too is, um, and this, this took place before COVID-19. Um, it's the idea of screen fatigue and there's all kinds of neuroscience to back up all of the issues that we experience both, um, neurologically, um, and emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all those things, um, by staring at a screen for a really long time. And so we want to be careful with our young people in terms of their brain development, their social development, just creating more things for them to stare at on a screen is is a bit of a challenge. It's kind of a catch-22. You want to create good content that's engaging and that allows them to engage but at the same time, you don't want them staring at the screen because also what you're doing is, I mean, my kids, they have to look at a screen for their school um, and they have to engage in that way and they have to upload certain things and they have to, yeah. um, you know, sign up for certain apps. And, and so everything is digital. And while that's good and it's, it's innovative, it's also, um, I think it, it's hampering our social and brain development in a way that that I don't know that we're fully prepared for yet, and so it's it's a it's a bit of a learning experience for us trying to figure out you know like you mentioned earlier, Daniel, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to be to yeah. pray to be alone with God, and how do we best create opportunities for people to do that intentionally without a screen, uh, but also provide them the tools to do that that happens digitally. So we're we're working through that. Um, one of the things that I'm excited about is um, is Abby in our life youth is finding ways to create a sense of community uh, beyond this and, and reaching out on YouTube. But then also beyond that is just some handwritten notes from time to time. Some just getting on the phone what? and calling somebody and talking to them. I know this might sound like a revolutionary idea, but we do that too, right? Like yeah, just can you having, walk us through that? How does yeah, so what you do call. is you press the buttons. Uh, okay. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, I'll, I'll, buttons, we'll take they, this one offline. Does, I'll do a whole tutorial for you guys. Apple 11 Pro do that? Yeah. I, think, uh, I don't well, think you know, so. I think at this point, it's just text only. Text, texting. And text email. only. Yeah. 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 Oh, and then oh, cerebral oh, thoughts. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh. It's like a Jedi mind trick kind of thing. No. Like so, so it's balancing the, if the it crazy cool technology that we have access to with we're still humans. We're still, mm-hmm. um, we're still flesh and blood. We still have emotions. We still need to, to interact and to talk and to, um, to learn those human 
emotions and social dynamics and interactions. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think those are great things. I think, uh, I think more precisely um, for the sort of ministry area that I'm in is I'm definitely seeing the benefit of using this Zoom ongoing for men's mean, meetings and ministries yeah. and yeah. Um, even counseling sessions um, when people aren't able to connect, even other things. So it's definitely um, one of the things I appreciated about my old job was how much we were already like on zoom and everything else and hangouts because it what we saw was that we actually had a reduction in accidents uh in our company cars and company vehicles we had a reduction in that we had a reduction in burnout because people were moving from one meeting to another and they were able to sort of do that and so there's a sense where man with this 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 is a great game changer to show us what we can do without having to always be on the rush and without what's called margin and from one meeting to another, to another, to another, and not having time to really sit and smell the roses. So excellent, excellent, super excited. And I, I think if I can recall, I remember coming in with these were some of the conversations that were already happening right. um, prior to COVID. COVID just sort of, you know, injected that, that, that adrenaline into the arm a little bit. So great. Well, great. Well, now to the most important theological question of the day. Uh, over or under, Pastor Nathan, who won the toilet paper uh, challenge? Was not a challenge, but toilet paper uh, poll survey, question. poll survey, yes, questionnaire. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, most definitely over. It's over. definitely over. In fact, someone dug up the patent, the original patent, oh, and it's, it's okay. pictured as over. Uh, I'm sorry for all your under people. Um, sorry. I don't know if it's that big of yeah, a deal. There's a bomb in Gilead. Yeah, um, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll be, be okay. all right. Yeah. <laughs> or it might not be. Uh, because if you're making choices on toilet paper like that, there might be. No, nah, let me stop. Let me pull that one back. I'm going to pull that one back. If you go over, your life will change. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> well, good. So over one. And um, you, what you won was the privilege to continue to live life right. And so we, <laughs> we, we, we are thankful for you. And that was good. That was good. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm looking forward to another one of these uh, surveys, man. I think there are great light moments for us to connect. Um, all right. So we do have another question that was sort of a follow-up from last week we had a if you missed it i would definitely encourage you to go back and find the table talk for last week you can see that on the facebook um and we also have the podcast uh where you would be able to hear that we had uh, our sister lynn jarrett with us and had the opportunity to share um some some tools on um depression and anxiety and post-traumatic syndrome and she shared some personal uh details that was very helpful to let us know how mental health or even better yet mental illness touches all of us uh whether chronically or acutely so that's good so make sure you touch base with that but there was a question that was asked on facebook and i thought that it was just a great question to uh think about um and I brought it on here which was our sister julia dino was just asking is anger part of grief um, and the quick answer is, of course, yes, right? It is part of grief. It's anger is actually the second stage in what is called the stages of grief or the Kubler-Ross model of grief or the grief cycle, as they call it. Uh, and so the five stages of grief, 
as they call it, is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance. Uh, and a word about that is that these, this list is not a lineal list. In other words, everyone doesn't experience it in that same order, uh, nor does everyone experience all of it at the same time or period. Some people may just be in the anger mode and then they move to acceptance. One thing you have to keep in mind about psychology, and I would say candidly about every discipline minus theology, is that it is really about what most of the population that was studied experienced, right? And so context is also important in there, right? Cultural context. Like for me as a Nigerian, uh, our cultural context doesn't really move into anger as much. Um, it's usually a sort of, uh, or bargaining, it's usually this sort of almost stoic approach. And again, that's most people, right? That the people are different. So there's some people in my culture that would walk through all those phases. So yes, anger is definitely part of that stage. It's definitely uh, part of uh, grief. But a tidbit about anger, as we think about anger, what exactly is anger? Um, and often said by many people is that it's a secondary emotion meaning that it's masking a primary emotion. Uh, and some will also say it's the strongest emotion. Now, again, that comes from just people's different uh, sort of background in terms of their psychology and how they think about psychology, because I've heard arguments that say love is the strongest emotion, uh, that it can counteract anger and hate. But in, in just a very, um, uh, very, very narrowed view of this conversation, anger is a secondary emotion, meaning that it is sort of the response to something that happened. So maybe there was a value, a moral ethic that you hold on to that was violated in some way, a hope that was dashed and loss can, grief is not just loss of life, it could be loss of your employment, loss of your career, uh, loss of your identity in some senses. And a lot of people are going through that even in this season that we're in. And so anger is a normal, natural reaction to certain things. It's not so much the anger, it's what we do with the anger that puts us in very precarious situations. And scripture is very clear on that as well, too. It says, be angry, but do not sin. And so there's a sense where we understand that anger is a natural human emotion. Now, it could be masking, um, feelings of hurt and feelings of hopelessness. And so the question that one does need to ask, even when you're going through grief, is why am I angry? Uh, what am I afraid of or what hurts? Uh, we do that even with our son at this moment. Uh, we're learning uh, the joys of, of, a, of a three-year-old and tantrums now. <laughs> and we're starting to work through that. And um, <laughs> all you brothers, y'all ain't tell me nothing about this. <laughs> all you brothers who've gone through this stage, y'all should have told me. Uh, but yeah, so we're learning that. <laughs> we're learning to help him um, to ask the questions of... Um, why am I angry? Why am I hurting? What's hurting? What am I afraid of? Which is very interesting. You were going to say? No, no, I just said right. Yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting because that's helpful, right? And, and one thing that I've learned is you can't be angry while telling your son not to be angry. Very good tidbit. So, uh, but yeah, so anger is part of grief. It is a normal emotion. It's helpful to unpack those things because they can lead to very unhealthy behaviors. Um, so like, for instance, I remember dealing with a couple who uh, the wife had stepped out of the marriage and um, had an, uh, an affair and he was super angry and that anger pushed him into the arms of someone else. So it's what you do with that anger, unpacking that anger, uh, not denying that anger, not walking away from anger, not acting like that anger doesn't exist. And that helps us to really get to the core of what's going on and to 
in the words of one of these uh, psychologists, to be self-actualized, to actually mature, if you will. And so I think that's one of the, the great things about the human complexity is that we have all the gifts, all the tools, all the psychology that we need in us in a sense of being able to unpack these things and just simple questions. Uh, why am I angry? What am I afraid of? What am I hoping for? What do I feel has been taken away from me? I think that goes a long way. Any other thoughts on that, brothers? No, I think you summed it up well. Sweet, sweet, cool. So next question we have is, okay, so this one is an oldie but goodie. Um, and this one is from also our sister, Julie. She had asked a question a couple of weeks ago about Second Chronicles chapter, I believe, 7. Uh, a verse that speaks about if my people who are called by my name uh, will turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, then I will heal them. And we unpack that. So check out the table talk, not the last one, but the one before. We unpack that text and, and explain why that text doesn't apply to America, let alone to today and, and the principles that can be pulled out of that. But one of the other parts of her question had to do with um, the sort of justice of God, right? Can God cause the coronavirus? Would he do that? Uh, would he have a good reason for it? Uh, is there a good reason for God doing this? And how do we engage people who feel like this will push them away from God if they are looking at a God who allow cause whatever term you want to use this to happen? Um, and so I'll try to unpack that as much as I can. I think the big issue is there is a doctrine in theology called theodicy, uh, which is the justice of God. Is God just? Now, a few uh, about 10 years or so ago, a rabbi, um, excuse me, by the way, a rabbi Kushner wrote a book that was the rave of the town. It was called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Uh, when bad things happen to good people. And that essentially the premise of that, that book was that God is all loving, but not all powerful. And so that's the explanation he gives for why bad things, quote unquote, happen to good people is that, no, God would love to save people. God would love to care for people. God would love for people not to go through what they're going through. He's just not powerful enough to stop it. Um, and so it sort of tries to let God off the hook, but at the same time, it impedes on the very character of God as the sovereign God of the universe. And so the question there, actually, the, that statement carries with it a lot of prejudice already. One, it assumes that there are good people, because what does the stance of the Bible say? The Bible says God is the only one that's good. And so we have to now define good before we can even get to why do bad things happen to good people? So there's a question of theodicy, which is a great question of, is God just, right? And I remember an old quote when I was in seminary, I read in a book, and I totally forgot the name of the book, but uh, it says that let us never assume that God does something because that thing is good. But because God does it, it is good. It's a sort of game changer in the mind of the Christian or the, the non-believer is that God, there isn't the standard of good that exists outside of God. God himself is the standard of what good is. Just because you can't see the good doesn't mean there is no good. And that also points at the bigger question is we're not omniscient to assume that you can define what's good in every circumstance is to assume that you know every circumstance intimately. 
Um, and you cannot explain every circumstance intimately. We are limited people who are, um, who are not omniscient. We don't know every single thing. And so how can I even say that this person is a good person? Now, there has to be a balance in that. We have been made in God's image. We, we, we are image bearers. Our goodness is because of his goodness on us and in us. And so when you understand it from that perspective, it begins to unpack that. But how do we care for people who may be struggling with that? I think we let them know that this is a fallen world and that as anything else, we live in a world that is filled with people who make bad decisions, who make decisions that have ongoing ramifications that will affect you, me, um, and everyone else in a certain way. And so it's helpful to keep that in mind as we start to talk about things like coronavirus and, and things like anything else that's happening in this world is that we live in a morally uh, evil world. We live in a naturally evil world, right? There's enough diseases that are naturally able. It's a wonder that we've lasted this long as a civilization, uh, but for the grace of God. And so I think it's helpful to start to look at it from this uh, not necessarily just philosophical perspective, but to think deeper about the question behind the question. Uh, if you have a question about what's happening in life and you want to sort of hold God accountable, um, you would first of all have to know what God knows and, and, and even possibly supersede God's understanding in order to be able to say, no, that move there or that, if I was God, I would have done this or done that. I don't know if that makes sense, brothers. I can only really see your faces, but I want to make sure that we're, we're, we're sort of helping our people with principles that go beyond the fluffy, um, man, you know, why do good things happen to bad people? Well, uh, or why do bad things happen to good people? It's only happened once, and his name is Jesus. He's the only good human person that has ever lived, and he's he is um, he is the example, the epitome of goodness. Uh, but but yeah, so just your thoughts on that. If we even need to unpack that a little further. Yeah, I have a thought. Um, I think what's been helpful for me in conversations with people who ask that question, and then a similar question, which I'll share in just a second, but. Did God, did God cause mm -hmm. X? Mm -hmm. Usually I just say, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't. I have no way of knowing what God caused or didn't cause, especially when it is related to something that um, is devastating, is seemingly evil, um, is uh, resulting in death and destruction. I just, I don't know. Um, and, and it's, it's been a disarming comment to be able to say that for people. Mostly it's, it's people who are skeptical about faith who will ask that question, mm. looking to put me in a box. And that's fine. I, I get their intent. And, um, and so I found that just disarming the question and saying, I don't know, um, all of a sudden opens the door to relationship. And, um, and I think part of the reason why skeptics are skeptic skeptical is um, they've come face to face with so many pastors and churches who had all of the answers. Mm. And I think they were more um, concerned about the lack of humility in some of these individuals. And so wanted to continue to push that button. And so I just felt like I I'm, I'm more concerned about relationship here and, and getting at the thing behind the thing, as you mentioned, Daniel. And then the second question that they'll ask is, did God allow it? And I mean, that's a maybe easier answer. Um, and I would say, yeah, I, I mean, because it's happening. So 
if God, if I do believe that God is sovereign, that God is in control and that this thing is happening, that yeah, that, that there was an allowance for that. But I also like to provide another perspective of did God allow love? Did God allow beauty? Did God allow joy? And for me to look out my window and see beautiful trees and flowers start to bloom. And did God allow uh, me to fall asleep and breathe in mm. and out and not have to think about it? I don't have to work at me breathing and staying alive. My, you know, God allowed through his grace, my body to work the way it does so that I could fall asleep and wake up and begin a new day. And, and so I think it's helpful to round out the whole experience of who God is and what he's allowing. Yeah, there are, there are devastating things that are allowed to happen, but there's also a whole lot of goodness that is allowed to happen. And we need to take account for that. That's good. I mean, it's amazing how God's sovereignty is usually discussed when bad things happen, right. but there's no discussion on the everyday yeah. beauties. Uh, his mercies are new every morning. Pastor Nathan? Yeah, I think I'd, you guys did a great job. I'll just build a little bit um, uh, on both concepts just by saying, as I mature and grow, I realize all the things I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as you know, I'm talking, there's a message this weekend. I talk about a, um, a message I wrote myself as a child to myself as a parent and being like, looking at the character of my parents and said, what you're doing right now is just because you're paranoid. When in reality, I didn't have the knowledge to understand how they were protecting me and loving me through it and how I attributed it to you them being bad or just something broken in them when in reality it was because they had better knowledge than me. How much more so the God of the universe? Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, it's, yeah. it, it, there's a reason why it says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher. What, if you're talking about a being who's timeless, what does time, like what it was so restricted by us? What is our perspective is so restricted and, and, and if we can understand that and such a microcosm of little life of us, how much to the God of the universe? The other thing I thought of, um, and, and there's a chance to know that God. There's a chance to hear his will. There is a chance to understand these questions. And it doesn't come by us demanding think God answer for how he has made the world, but in mm. us entering into relationship with him and him allowing us. The more I know God, the more I rest that he's in control in that. That's good, man. And, that's, and, good. Uh, and that's a journey, and that's a relationship. And it takes time. Um, I thought that that's the kind of the first thing I thought about as I was listening that's to good. both of you, just kind of, yeah, God is, God is so big and so beautiful and so good. Second thought, we are so focused on this world. And that question of like, how could a loving God let suffering happen? The question I ask is this, how could a loving God let eternal suffering stay? So what, what I mean by that is our life is like, it, there's a great illustration where you, you take a rope off the stage and you pull it out and you say, Here, here's how much of your life is. And then the rope that goes off the stage out into that's eternity. Mm. Whereas God has brought salvation and grace for all of eternity, for all people. So God has already done the, the bigger work in my mind. He's, he's done that. And we get to invite in that now, but my, my future is secure. So if God decides to let COVID take me out, I, 
I already know where I'm going and I already know I'm only here because I'm a tool. I used to tell people I'm a craftsman. <laughs> I'm a tool guaranteed for life, right? Like, but I'm a tool. <laughs> Snap-on tools doesn't sound quite as good as a craftsman, right? Like, I, I'm a tool of God while I am here. And, and I say all this because I have found such great comfort in the knowledge that I don't know, but I'm not in control. God is. And he has already secured me, meaning everything here is gravy. Everything is just what God wants to do it. And, and actually, it's not actually gravy. It's like, the, it's like the appetizer to the best, which is yet to come. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's perfect. I mean, I, I think the common theme that I heard in everything we said was we're not omniscient. And he is. And he knows. Um, and I think there's room to ask God questions. Um, there's room to ask in the Bible. Uh, the beautiful balance is that while we don't know everything, he has revealed of quite a lot of things um, that we can begin to think through and enter into relationship with him in, in his scripture. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely perfect. It's about having that relationship with God is, is absolutely key uh, because then you have an eternal perspective. So that's good. Very good. Um, well, great. Uh, I think a great book um, to walk through um, as you think through that, I don't know if you guys have any resources, extra biblical resources, but I think the book of Romans is very helpful, particularly chapter three through six of just who we are and who God is and the righteousness of God. Um, it's a very, very good epistle that Paul writes to the Romans um, that unpacks that. And um, J.I. Packer, I think, a book called Knowledge of the Holy. Um, I think it's what it's called. I think it's Knowing God. Knowledge of the Holy is Tozer, I think. Tozer, Tozer, Tozer is what I'm looking for. Yes, oh, okay. Tozer, yeah. Knowledge of the Holy, yes. And Knowing God by J.I. is good too. But Knowledge of the Holy, what that did for me was unpack uh, what Pastor Nathan was talking about uh, of the, the eternality of God. <laughs> he is eternal. What can you teach an eternal God? What can, you, what can you hope to even, how do you even hold such a creature accountable? Even the term creature is not even right because creature is something created. How do you hold such a being accountable that has lived eons before you? Um, and so it's just, it's just amazing. It blows one's mind that beyond eternity sits God. My mind fried when I saw that. That's the first book of that page. That's the first chapter, first word. Before eternity, God is. Like, okay. How about God experiencing all of time at the same moment? At the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Manhattan has nothing on God. Right. You, you, this idea of like, no, no, he's, he, I, you, can't, you can't because we're such finite, linear beings. And, and that should produce awe. Uh, it should and wonder, and 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 I'll say this one more time. And I, it's because of the sermon this weekend. And no, go for it, man. We like, yeah, like, go for it. That that God wants you to know His will. No, that's all I need. That's all yeah. I need. Yeah, that I get to. That's enough for now and all eternity. And it will be. Yeah. It'll be more yeah. than enough. I'll yeah. never explore the fullness of who God is if I'm given eternity, which I am. That's exciting. In Christ, yes. In yes. Christ, yes. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. I feel like that's a that's a very evangelistic moment. Mm. Yeah. That you don't have to 
be carried to and fro by the circumstances of life, having your emotions. This is for the Christian and the non-Christian people who don't know God. You don't have to be victimized by circumstances of life. You don't have to be victimized by the seasons of life, by the viruses, the epidemics, the pandemics. You don't have to be be by the wars or the rumors of wars. You don't have to have yourself be at the mercy of those things or your joy, as Pastor Jared was talking a couple of weeks ago about the difference between happiness and joy. You don't have to have your joy, right? Defining joy as different from human happiness, right? You don't have to have your joy rocked back and forth by the circumstances of life if you are in Christ. Mm-hmm. If you are in someone, as, as the guy said in my, um, uh, my commencement speech some years ago, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And that, that, just, that, that still rocks me to the day. Um, and that's what we're talking about, that this eternal God uh, d- desired to enter into time and have a relationship with you and I. That is awesome. That is, that is an identity changer. That is a game changer. That is a mind shift. That is a paradigm shift. That is everything in one. So if you don't know Christ, as you're listening to this, we would love to connect with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to see how we can serve you to help you understand the, the stuff that we do know. Uh, and, and, and so that you can know the God who knows everything. Um, so yeah, so you, you're definitely welcome. And even for the Christian who may just be feeling the pressure, the loss of life, loss of loved ones, loss of, uh, livelihood. Yeah, you are welcome. And we would love to connect and pray together and encourage each other. Um, I love that. So good. Well, our next question, um, uh, yeah, which we hopefully we have some time to, to, yeah, four to get into that. Um, <laughs> and you could, you can, uh, Pastor Jerry, you could, you could start unpacking and finish later on, but just hit the b- big points, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Is this, this the is one about one. marriage? Yeah. This is one about China. marriage, strictly Chinese yeah. marriage. <laughs> but, um, okay. I'll mention that. And I also want to quickly say Paul Perrine, I think is how you pronounce your name. Thank you so much for your questions. We're going to, I did send uh, it to Daniel already. He's got oh, it. Perfect. Thank you. And uh, so I just, I wanted you to uh, be aware that we are paying attention, I promise. Uh, But Chris Cooley had said that China has a, um, has had a spike in divorce since they came out of quarantine. I believe this will be a global outcome of quarantine. How can we as a church specifically encourage marriages during this unprecedented time? And um, this question actually came out uh, several weeks ago and we just hadn't gotten to it until now. And so I, I just want to quickly say one thing that we're doing in our marriage, um, is we there, we are fortunate and blessed, um, to be friends with another married couple who is in a similar stage of life. And we just, we connect really well. And so we have, um, pretty much every night with the exception of maybe two or three nights, um, after the kids are all put to bed, we get together on FaceTime. And, uh, again, we're, we're fortunate enough to have the technology and the Wi-Fi and the mm-hmm. ability to be able to do that. But, um, we get together and we connect for maybe an hour or two hours and just talk about anything life, some, you know, life and hardship and dealing with um, kids at this age. Um, And then sometimes we talk about really deep things, deep theological concepts. And, um, and then sometimes we talk about our marriage and we talk about how we're wrestling through, you know, the, the um, agreements or more so disagreements that we're having in the household. And so I, I say all of that to say, um, so much, I think in our culture, um, marriage is, we sort of assume that, well, now you're married, you got to figure it out, do this thing on your own and stay, you know, hopefully stay together. 
And I think we lack a sense of community. Mm. Um, and so that has been so crucial for us to engage in community with our friends, um, uh, to, to keep praying, to, to uh, believe that God has a plan in all of this, much of what we were saying earlier. I, I personally am surprised by, um, you know, in China that that's the case just because it seems to be more of a collective society. But yeah. I just, I don't know enough about the culture uh, to understand why that's been the case, but I, I get it. Um, yeah. being in quarantine, being shelter in place, and you're, you're forced to confront each other every single day, every single moment. Um, that can be really hard, really painful. Um, and if you don't have any grace or compassion or humility, uh, it's going to exacerbate that. And so I feel fortunate that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit um, to remind us of the fruit of the Spirit and to, to live into that in order to serve and love one another well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the China thing. I think it was very interesting because you expect if anybody would, it would be that culture right. would be able to sustain. One thing I, I would be curious to know is if the spike is due to um, the fact that courts were closed <laughs> and so the normal, yeah. you know what I mean? So that could be an anomaly, but yeah, but you are spot on. Um, I am a firm believer that we should all be home disciples. will increase, right? Right, 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 right. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I'm a firm believer that we should be disciple through every phase of life. Um, it could be lateral discipleship. And I think having a couple that's close to you is a joy. I'm praying for that for us as well, um, close in circumstances and all. But yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Pastor Nathan, any last words on, on this thing? No, it's a huge uh, subject, but we've covered a lot of ground, um, and I think we're, we're going to be good for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. Um, Sweet. I'm just good to see you guys. Cool. And join us next week where we hope to have one of our staff on to Ooh. talk about uh, their ministry, which is I you need to be on for this one, folks. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that um, you would. Uh, yeah, you, you don't want to miss. That. That'd be great to hear and learn some things. I wanted to read this last verse here from verse 19 of, of chapter one, uh, just as our prayer for each other and our prayer for you. Paul prays and says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you would know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in all for all the saints. I will say that again. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, God's calling on your life, and what are the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in all the saints. And so I, that's our prayer for each other, that our eyes will continue to be open, that we be rocked by the beauty of Jesus. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. God bless. Bye-bye.